Did you know that Mega Man's name in Japan is Rock? No relation to Dwayne Johnson's former WWE persona. Rock also has a sort of cyber sister who was built by his creator, Dr. Light. She goes by the name Roll. Rock and Roll. Something tells me this was done on purpose. The musically named duo would later be joined by the likes of bass, beat, treble, and of course, Rush. I kid you not. I think Dr. Light was secretly creating a progressive automaton rock band for his own listening pleasure. Regardless, Rock, rather Mega Man and company, combined their technical talents to defend against the sinister machinations of one Dr. Wily. This is the story of how Rock came to be and the cultural significance behind his name. Time to power up our Mega Busters and blast on into this episode. This is Video Game Lore. Welcome to Video Game Lore, the podcast where I shine light on the wily antics of your favorite video games and uncover the fascinating mythology behind the most beloved characters, magical items, and mystical worlds. I'm your host and self-proclaimed ludologist, Matt Varish. Thank you for joining me. This is the second of my Pixel Cryptid series, where I do a brief yet thorough exploration of a single video game character. Today's episode is Blue Bomber Beginnings. In 1987, a then-fledgling company by the name of Capcom released the first Mega Man to little fanfare. The box art, while now beloved for its utter ineptness, was a rush amateur drawing that little resembled the main character or its cybernetic environment. Look it up if you don't believe me. Yikes. Part 2 was only marginally better, aesthetically speaking, and it was somewhat based in the correct universe. Though I'm still not sure why Dr. Light is hiding behind Crash Man, nor am I clear as to why Mega Man is wearing a helmet with a raised visor and holding a pistol. Thankfully, the third time was a charm, though for many, it was the second game that hooked us old schoolers. 33 years later, the Mega Man series is still quite popular, with dozens and dozens of titles and sequels to its name. Its colorful and stylized art, combined with a unique stage select, high difficulty, and its signature 2D platform playability made it a must for hardcore gamers. As a survivor of the Nintendo hard era of gaming, I owe much of my frustration and enjoyment to this ever-evolving series. I promise not to overwhelm you with details of Mega Man's interminable travails with Dr. Wily, though I will enlighten you to its humble and unexpected beginnings. A little history. Capsule Computers, Capcom for short, is well known for releasing some of the finest and most difficult video games of all time. The company made its mark in both the home and arcade gaming market. 1942, Ghosts and Goblins, Strider, Street Fighter II, and Final Fight were just a taste of their huge arcade catalog. It's noteworthy to mention that all of the aforementioned games eventually made their way to home consoles. But there was one series that avoided arcades and got its start on the Nintendo Entertainment System. That series and its titular character just happened to be the very blue bomber of which this episode is exploring. In the late 80s, the NES dominated the video game world, and Capcom could not have chosen a better time or system to release its flagship platformer. Mega Man is the story of a boy robot created by Dr. Thomas Light to defend against the evil Dr. Albert W. Wiley and his never-ending pursuit of corrupting robots to assist in his world domination. The series typically follows a non-linear format where you can choose which stage to play. 
Defeating the robot boss of each stage earns Mega Man their specific ability. The names of each boss usually gives away what the ability is, and, needless to say, those abilities come in handy against more difficult moments in the game. Case in point, Bubble Man. His weapon is Bubble Lead. Literally a lead bubble you fire at enemies. And you didn't hear it from me, but that particular weapon makes short work of Dr. Wily's final form at the end of Part 2. Speaking of Wily, the cast of the Mega Man games is massive and eccentric. I've already mentioned a few earlier in this episode, those being the two doctors and a few of Mega Man's friends' weapons' assistant dog. I felt it necessary to highlight one of the game's most popular co-stars, Proto Man, the so-called older brother of Mega Man. Proto Man was the very first robot master to be created by Dr. Light. He is a prototype robot, hence his name, originally intended to be the first humanoid capable of self-awareness. Being the first, however, left Proto Man with a critical flaw with his energy core, which could cause him to cease functioning. Dr. Light had attempted to rectify this problem, but having created him with too much independence, Proto Man fled to preserve his sense of identity. He would later go on to assist his younger brother throughout the series and eventually become a playable character himself. It's easy to see why Proto Man is a fan favorite. Aside from his awesome choice in fashion, signature yellow scarf, candy apple red suit, and sweet shades affixed to his helmet, he wields a shield and a wicked sword. And best of all, he announces his arrival with an electronic whistle. What a badass. But what struck me most about him and all the robot masters in the Mega Man games was their journey of self-awareness, some stepping outside their programming more than others. What does it mean to be an independent robot? Does it lead to peaceful autonomy or sentient destruction? Let's find out, shall we? So, without further ado, let's explore the lore. Rock, paper, scissors. Honestly, who hasn't played this game of chance with their friends? I mean, we're all born with the necessary game pieces, so why not? I probably don't need to explain the simplistic rules, but here it goes. Count to three by shaking your closed fist with each number, then reveal your attack. Rock smashes scissors, scissors cuts paper, and paper covers rock. That's it. Play to your heart's content. What could this possibly have to do with Mega Man and its lore, you ask? Well, very little with regard to lore, but Mega Man is based off of the rock, paper, scissors gameplay mechanics. At the title screen, there are nine squares arranged into three rows of three, making one large square. At the center is where your selection cursor begins. That cursor is surrounded by images of the eight robot masters and their stages you can randomly select to play. Where the rock, paper, scissors mechanics enters when you finally manage to reach a boss and discover that they are a bit too difficult to defeat without employing a particular ability collected from another, easier master. The only way to find out which stage to attempt first is by trial and error. In essence, you have to guess. A game of chance. Or figure out the boss's patterns. This is 8-bit video gaming we're talking about here. The mechanics of Mega Man may be left to chance, but it's a bit more intelligent than that. Artificially intelligent, you might say. According to Merriam-Webster, the definition of artificial intelligence goes as such. A branch of computer science dealing with the simulation of intelligent behavior in a computer. And the capability of a machine to imitate intelligent human behavior. AI is the centerpiece of the Mega Man games. Dr. Light and Dr. Wily base their life's work on it for very different outcomes. It begs the age-old question. Should AI be allowed to reach sentience? 
that's a conversation for another podcast. Believe it or not, the ancient Greeks had some scary ideas about robots and artificial intelligence. Long before Automata was originally traced back to the Middle Ages, the Greek god Hephaestus displaced a penchant for building bizarre creations. Between the years of 750 and 650 BC, poets Hesiod and Homer were tackling ideas such as creating artificial life. In the story of Talos, Hesiod describes the myth of a giant bronze man built by Hephaestus, the god of invention and blacksmithing. Talos was commissioned by Zeus, the king of Greek gods, to protect the island of Crete from invaders. Talos would march around the island three times a day and hurl boulders at approaching enemy ships. According to the author and historian Adrian Mayer, she describes the inner working of Talos as, quote, At his core, the giant had a tube running from his head to one of his feet that carried a mysterious life source of the gods the Greek called Ichor. Another ancient text, Argonautica, which dates to the 3rd century BC, describes how sorceress Medea defeated Talos by removing a bolt at his ankle and letting the Ichor flow out. Another myth accounted in Hesiod's Theogony is about Pandora. Yeah, that Pandora. While more current versions of this tale refer to her as an innocent woman who unknowingly opened a box of evil, Hesiod's original described Pandora as an artificial evil woman built by our godly blacksmith friend Hephaestus. She was sent to Earth on the orders of Zeus, I'm sensing a trend here, to punish humans for discovering fire. That's harsh. In fact, the creation of all forms of artificial life by the ancient Greek gods ended in tragedy for us mortals. Was this Hesiod's way of saying that we puny humans should leave the creating of artificial intelligence to a higher power? Perhaps. But that didn't seem to stop the two doctors of Mega Man, nor will it ever slow the march of science and technology. You be the judge of whether or not that is right. Thus, we slide to the finish line of our exploration of Mega Man and his automaton friends. I hope you enjoyed discovering the beginnings of the mighty Blue Bomber. And speaking of the Blue Bomber moniker, I only recently learned that the name comes from the blue robot fighter from the Rock'em Sock'em Robots toy. Does that mean Proto Man is the opponent fighter known as the Red Rocker? While these action-packed games tend to err on the side of plot simplicity, the occasional brush with self-awareness and the constant struggle of good versus evil has always captivated me. Who knew researching robots would lead me nearly 3,000 years into the past? I guess our curious ancestors weren't so very different from us. Kind of makes me wonder if Hesiod and Dr. Light would be friends if they ever met. Just don't allow Dr. Wiley and Zeus to cross paths. We wouldn't want to give them any ideas. Thank you for listening to this episode of Video Game Lore. If you like what you heard, I implore you to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I would truly appreciate the gesture. Video Game Lore is brought to you by Night Apple Creations, a multimedia production company from the minds of yours truly and Stephanie Varish. It specializes in books, art, videos, and audio. Stop on by and have a look around at nightapplecreations.com, where you can find the link to my podcast website. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at VGLorePodcast. That's the letters V as in video, G as in game, Lore Podcast. You can find this information in the episode notes of your podcast app. Thanks again, and until next time, when I provide for you some more lore on your favorite video games, namely Two Flying Foxes, keep on playing. I'm Matt Varish, and this is Video Game Lore. (laughs) 